All right, good morning, everyone. It's great for you guys to be here. I'm so glad to be uh, sharing with you the message for today. If you have a chance, uh, if you have a Bible with you, or if you have an app on your phone, if you dive into God's Word anyway, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 15. Shouldn't it be too hard to find? Genesis is the first book of the Bible. If you don't have a Bible and would like one, um, just go back to the connection table real quick. We have Bibles for you to have. You can take it with you. You can keep it. It's all yours. Even if you don't want to go back there and just want to raise your hand, somebody's going to get you a Bible. So if you don't have one, just, just feel free uh, to grab that. Uh, Throughout the whole summer, we've been going through great stories, and we've been going through different stories of the Old Testament, uh, these great kind of stories that kind of are landmarks of the gospel message of God intervening in our lives. And uh, last time that I spoke was back in early June, and we had this really cool experience of Isaiah talking with God and being in the presence of God in Isaiah chapter 6. And I'm kind of continuing with that story here in Genesis chapter 15. These, these stories are called theophanies, where it's an individual actually in communication with God directly. And you'll find there's nothing, no, no big change in this person's life. There's no other person in the entire chapter other than Abram that we're going to read about. Uh, but it's God's interaction with him. And I think it tells a really significant story, not only for Abram and his journey, but also in ours and the significance of that and the value. So uh, we're going to read this whole entire chapter, chapter 15. We're going to read it together and then we'll pray and then we can kind of dive into our, our lesson for today. Let, let me read, uh, read along with me. This is Genesis chapter 15, starting in verse 1. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. You, your very own son, shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you were able to number them, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these things, cut them in half, and laid each half uh, over against one another. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years." 
But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, you shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had come down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephraim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this morning, for this time that we have together um, just to dive into your word. Thank you so much for the story of Abram and his conversation with you. And God, as we dive into it, um, may we see our own story in this. May we see the way that you are moving with us. Uh, the questions that might be being brought up in our hearts and in our minds and in our thoughts. God, may you have covenant with us the way that you've had with Abram. God, please be with us. May you be speaking to us this morning, diving into our hearts and working in us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. It's in your son's holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. Have you ever felt frustrated in life? You're all breathing. I'm assuming it's a rhetorical question, I promise, because we've all felt frustrated at some point in our life disappointment in life. Things haven't gone the way that we thought they were supposed to go. And I think uh, for these questions, it's not necessarily have you felt frustrated or disappointed, but in what areas have you felt frustrated or disappointed? For some, for some of us, it might be our, our physical bodies. Perhaps like myself, you've tried to get into shape, maybe lose a few pounds, but nothing seems to help. And there's always those cookies in the cabinet that seem to lessen our process as we uh, just get slow and get frustrated and kind of give up. Maybe it's an illness or something that you can't seem to get over health-wise. What about your education? You thought, man, if I just dedicate myself to my classwork like I'm supposed to, you spend your time, you study, you submit your assignment, and your professor is disappointed and doesn't say, think it's at the level that it should be. Maybe it's at work. So many times we get frustrated at work. Maybe you got hired with this promise that there would be this promotion that's going to be upcoming that you'll get. This is just a small stepping stone. But it's been a year. It's been a couple years and nothing seems to have uh, transpired. Your boss isn't bringing it up. You thought, man, at this point in my career, I assumed I'd be taking off. I'd be in this next step or this next level. But it, it just hasn't caught the momentum that you thought it would. Or maybe it's in your relationships. You've been trying to find that special someone, but it's just nothing has been um, helpful. There's been not the right match. It's just constant frustration and disappointment. Maybe you are in a relationship. You're with somebody, but your expectations or your thoughts of what the relationship would be isn't matching with the reality of what the relationship is. And it's causing frustration or anger. 
You're dealing with frustration with your family or with friends. You don't seem to be able to find that connection that you're looking for. And, and we could go through every aspect of our lives, our mental life, our family life, our finances, our children. Each area, I'm sure we could have people set, stand up and share testimonies of disappointment and frustration and ways that we are struggling as we go through our lives. And in our story this morning, we come into the life of Abram, and he is feeling frustrated. He's disappointed. He is struggling with trying to make sense of how this is going on. We can see this because he's asking two very important questions, both stemming from his frustration. And I think for us to understand these questions, these, these questions that he's having this conversation with God, they don't just come out, out of thin air of, of asking God questions, but they're coming from a place of a history and a background with God. So I think it's important for us to kind of understand that and kind of get a glimpse of Abram's story up to this point and why in Genesis 15 God, God is having this conversation with him. So let's back up a few chapters. And the very first time that Abram is introduced into our story with, with Genesis, in Genesis chapter 12, God approaches Abram and tells him to uproot his whole life take his wife, all of his belongings, all of his household, and leave everything he has ever known to go someplace completely unknown and new. And this was the incentive that God gave Abram. And this is the first three, three verses in chapter 12. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go far from your country and your kindred and your father's household to the land that I will show you, and I will make you of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then continuing on another promise that God made in verse 7 he says then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. So God, God's promise to Abraham is that he will have descendants. He's going to have offspring, something kind of odd to make a promise to a 75-year-old man at the time. A little bit, little bit awkward, but that's a promise that was get, given. So Abram leaves. He leaves his mom's home cooking. He leaves his dad's house. He leaves everything that he's ever known. It wasn't like it was a... A highway that he just jumped on he just starts wandering by God's leading and he does this faithfully he survives through this experience he survives a famine he goes through a trip where he has to go to Egypt to get help and he even uh, gets his household to chase after an army and defeat it to kind of rescue his own nephew and save him. So he's gone through battles, he's gone through famine, he's gone through all of these situations. He's remained faithful, following God, yet none of these promises have come to fruition. And here we are in chapter 15, and he is just getting frustrated. After 10 years of following God, He's finally talking back to God. And this is the first time uh, in all, all these situations we see God talking to Abram. In chapter 15, this is the first time that Abram actually talks back. 
This is actually the first time Abram has some questions for God this time because of the frustration, because of the disappointment. Things aren't going the way that he wants them to go. So he brings them up. He says, oh, Lord, God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. Uh, and the heir of my house is Eleazar Damascus. And, a and Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. But he said, oh, Lord, God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? You know, God made these promises. Now, Abram, at 85 years old, is kind of feeling like my time is running up. What is supposed to happen here? Like these promises, how is elder Abram supposed to have kids at this point? His wife is just as old. How is he going to have the energy to conquer and, and receive this nation's land that he's supposed to have? No wonder he's asking these questions. And it just characterizes Abram's life is just waiting and hoping. There was another pastor who said, let me schematize Abram's life. God says, I'm going to send you out. And Abram says, where? And he says, I'll tell you later, just go. And, he, and then God says to him, I will give you a land. And Abram says, where? And God says, I'll tell you later, just wander. And then he says, oh, I'm going to give you a child. And Abram says, how? And God says, I'll tell you later, just wait. And finally, God sends a child and then says, Abram, kill your child. And Abraham says, why? And God says, I'll tell you later, walk up the mountain, take the knife, take the fire. Through each of these circumstances, when the moment came for Abraham, there's frustration but there's continued faithfulness throughout that frustration. No matter what circumstance that Abram is in, he remains faithful to the calling that God has called him to. He's still uprooted. We never see him turn around and say, let me head back to mom and dad. Let me go back to what's familiar. No, I've stepped out in faith. And that's why it's so important for us to get to verse 6. Verse 6 is a famous verse. It's one of the most quoted verses in the entire New Testament. It's quoted four different times in the New Testament. And it's verse 6 that says this, He believed the Lord and it counted to him as righteousness. It's one of the key theological explanations. That's why we see it in Romans, in Galatians, in James. As, we, uh, as God's showing that belief in Him is central. Faith in God is something that everyone in the Bible was expected to exercise. It entails trust in God, trusting in His goodness, His sovereignty, and confidence, and that His promises are good and true. Even after 10 years of wandering, Abraham would continue to be faithful continue to rely on God, and it was not in vain. For me, I just struggle to imagine myself keeping my belief for 10 straight years. It would be another 15 more years before the birth of his promised child, Isaac, to Abraham and his wife, yet Abraham remained faithful to God through and his promises. In your life, 
Where has God asked you to be patient? Where has God asked you to be faithful even in times of disappointment and frustration? You could feel frustrated with God's plans. I know that there have been times that I've definitely felt that way. I've stepped out in faith believing that God was going to do something, perform in some way, and it just hasn't gone the way that I planned it to. And if you are in this space this morning, you're feeling discouraged, I want to encourage you that this isn't just a moment that God is wanting you to suffer through. He's not looking at you saying, man, I hope he feels the pain. God isn't just trying to push you to your breaking point. No, God is using this time to form you, to mold you, to have you be more reliant on him and to create you into the person that you want that he wants you to be and to no longer rely on your expectations, but to rely on his promises. It reminds me of what I have to say now is an older movie. It's the movie called Karate Kid. I know this is going to age me some. Some of you may be more familiar with the series that's been built off of this called Cobra Kai. It's a Netflix. If you go to the original movie, Karate Kid, this is a movie back in 1984 that was released. And in this story, we have uh, the young kid and he's struggling with bullies and getting beat up. And he goes to this mentor, Mr. Miyagi, who's going to teach him karate. And so he's so excited. He's going to learn how to how to how to fight karate and the first thing mr miyagi does is he teaches them how to sand the floor you got to sand the floors sand sand the floors and he has to sand the whole entire house then he goes outside next next object you know blocking shielding how to punt throw punches no you got to wax the car wax on wax off and then he's got to wax all of these cars then the next step is he has to paint the fence and learn how to paint the fence. Mr. Miyagi, and there's a point of the frustration where he's like, where do you, I'm, I've been your slave now, and I, you're supposed to be teaching me karate. What is this going on? And it's not till the very end that Mr. Miyagi kind of reveals that these motions that he's been teaching him, all these, these points of frustration and disappointment and hard work and effort have just been training, uh, training him to be the karate kid to be able to block, to be able to move in the way that he was being trained to. So, great movie. I hope you encourage you, if you haven't seen it, give it a watch. But in that story, it just reminds me that God is working in us in a similar way like Mr. Miyagi. He may, you may not see what God is doing. You may not see the way that God is working in your life. You're just feeling frustration. You're feeling that disappointment. You're feeling anger. You're feeling hurt. God is working in you. He's working through you. Romans chapter 5, uh, Paul says this really eloquently. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that same faith, that he just referenced the chapter before, the faith of Abraham that was counted as, re- as righteousness. That, that faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into grace in which we stand. We rejoice in hope for the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, in our disappointments, in our anger, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and the character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame 
because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. God is working in us. He is working in our situations. He is working through our disappointments, through our pain, through our frustration, through Abram's disappointment, frustration, and movement. And God is saying, just stick with me. Just be patient. I promise you're going to see it at the end. Stay true. Put your faith in God. That's what I hope for this morning. If you're feeling this way, if you're feeling the frustration, remain faithful. But I think our, as we kind of go through this conversation, we naturally go to a second question that Abram's asking. The same question that we probably asked us too. If we're saying, remain faithful, remain true, God, Abram asks a really important question. How? How am I to know that I shall possess it? Okay, you're asking me to be faithful. How do I know that God is really doing what he says he's going to do? How do I know that God is going to remain faithful to me when I'm faithful to him? How is it? God told him that he's going to have a child, that he's going to possess this land. How do I know? And this is when God sets up this scenario where Abram takes these animals, kind of morbid, he kills them, slices them in half, puts them on sides of a hill, and kind of just creates this kind of hallway between dead animals. Not something that we normally see nowadays, really morbid, kind of odd, and it seems like a waste, right? But in, in this time, in the time of Abram, he would have understood that this was a common circumstance, a common setting up for a contract or a covenant. Nowadays, when we want to make something legal and to confirm a contract, we write out the contract and then both sides sign the paper in agreement, correct? Uh, thinking through some examples in my life, I know when my wife Amanda and I, 15 years ago, when we got married, we got married, we had the ceremony, but it wasn't official till we signed some government papers from the state of Michigan. I had to sign, Amanda had to sign, we had to have witnesses signing, attesting to, yeah, these people are actually married. Uh, I think through when uh, we bought our home, uh, our lovely home that we live in, I had to sign a whole bunch of papers. Some papers to the previous owner saying, yes, I'll take, I'll take your home and I'll give you money, right? That's, that's the exchange, so we're signing off on that. I had to sign a whole bunch of papers for this bank to give me the money to pay for the house that I had to buy. So all these contracts that I was signing off, and of course I read every single word of those contracts like we're supposed to, right? Yeah. And then I even think in the last month when we go to Atlanta for a trip, I've got to sign papers to rent a car for a couple days. It's just like, what kind of, what am I, you know, what am I signing away here as I'm writing these contracts? But these are legal documents, and if they don't get fulfilled, if our side doesn't get fulfilled, there's a government, there's a process, there's a procedure that's the backing of that contract to make it valid. If something isn't proper, if we don't, if I come back to the rental company without a car, there are consequences for me, waiting for me because of the papers that I signed. And the same thing goes for our, for our normal contracts. But in ancient times, let's be honest, paper was pretty scarce. 
It wasn't something that was common like it is today. Not only was paper scarce, but finding someone who knew how to read or write would have been even more scarce. Finding somebody who could understand literacy would have been something that would have been really, really rare. So a written contract would have been extremely difficult to create and to sign. But not only would it have been hard to create, but it would have been much, much more difficult in that time to enforce because there was no big presiding government over all of these different nations and tribes and people. As we already have discussed, Abram has left his people. He's left his tribe. He's out on his own. He has no king or monarch overseeing to make sure that he's obeying the laws because there are no laws for him. He's kind of in the Wild West. So what, is the, what would a piece of paper mean to Abram or to other nations at that time? Honestly, not that much. They wanted to put more weight into their contracts. So they did this process that we're seeing take place in the story right here in Genesis 15. Uh, these contracts would be done. They would take these animals, they would kill them, put the, split them in half, and then the people in the agreement would walk together through the pieces of the animal. And this is kind of their way of signifying that if I don't keep up my side of the bargain, may I be like this dead carcass that I'm walking through. May I be sliced up if I don't keep up my side of this agreement. Pretty morbid, right? A lot more visual than just signing a piece of paper. It is a lot more significant that they would walk through these. And it's not just in this situation that we see this taking place. There's a couple other examples that we see both in the Bible and outside of the Bible. Uh, an example is Jeremiah 34. Uh, God says this, And the men who transgressed my covenant and did not keep the terms of the covenant that they made before me, I will make them like the calf that they cut in two and passed between its parts. Kind of scary to hear that, but that's a, like somebody didn't keep up their part of the covenant. So God is saying, like, just like we said, you aren't doing your part. So you have to be a part. You have to be like this animal. And even that there was a treaty between Ashurnani of Assyria and Matilu of Arpad. And this is what it says in ancient Near Eastern texts. It says, if Matilu sins against the treaty made under oath by the gods, then just as this spring lamb brought from its fold will not return to its fold, alas, Matilu will not return to his own country. So in this, in this situation, we kind of see that there's a bigger individual who is the, I'm not even going to try, Ashurnani um, from Assyria. He is helping out Matilu. And that was a common thing where there was a bigger nation that needed that was helping out a smaller nation with protection with other with another impending army coming and defeating them. We see this take place in the Bible a lot like Hezekiah when the nation of Assyria is about to invade Jerusalem, he reaches out to Egypt saying, Egypt, if we give you money, will you come and help us? Like we see that happen commonly within nations. And that's just one situation right there. And in this situation with Abram, he's not a nation at this point. He's just a, a single man. 
with this household, this very large household, but he is coming to a greater being, to God himself, and God is granting him these wonderful promises. It would be an indication that, that Abram is probably under the assumption at this point that I'm going to walk through, I'm going to set this up like God doesn't make any explanation to him because Abram knows what this custom is. So he's setting this up and he's under the expectation when the time comes, I'm going to walk through this. I'm going to walk through these animals and I'm going to make a promise to God that I'm going to stay faithful to him. And then he's going to start fulfilling these promises. But I think it's so important for us to see what actually happens when the time comes, when the ceremony takes place. What do we see in verse 17? It says this, it says, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. In this situation, God's presence is represented by a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch. This is very similar to how later in the Bible, as the nation of Israel is wandering through the wilderness, they are led by God by a flame at night and a cloud by day. So flame and fire is very representative of God. And in this moment in Genesis chapter 15, it isn't Abram who walks through the animals like we would have assumed the lesser person walking through and promising to stay true to the covenant. No, it's God. It's God walking through the animals to make a covenant. And here's, here's what I find unbelievable amazing. As God is walking through these animals, he is guaranteeing the covenant, not just for his side, the promise of, I'm going to give you an offspring. I'm going to give you land. You will become a great nation. I'm holding true to that promise, Abram. But as he is walking through it too, he's also guaranteeing the other side of the covenant as well, which is Abram's side of the covenant. Abram's promise to remain faithful, to stay true to God, to continue to follow God. As we see so often in the Old Testament, you will be my people and I will be your God. God is keeping both sides of that covenant. We see God saying, if I don't keep up my side of the deal, may I be punished? May I be killed? May I be dismembered? But he's also saying, if Abram doesn't keep his side of the promise, may I be killed? May I be dismembered? May I take the pain and punishment of this covenant? And did Abram keep up his side of the covenant? Was he completely faithful to God in all of his circumstances? No. There were times where Abram did fall short, where he didn't follow God, where he didn't trust in him, but he trusted on his own strength. What about his descendants, his nation that came out of him? Did they remain faithful? No. We see continual times of abandoning God, not being the people that God had called them to be, what about us in our lives? Have we remained faithful to God? Have we remained true? No. We've fallen short. We haven't obeyed. We haven't remained faithful at times. And God says, you know what? I'm keeping both sides of the covenant. So because of that, 
because of our mistakes, because of Abram's failures, because of the nation of Israel falling short. God said, I'm going to be killed. And that was exemplified and through his son, Jesus. What happens in Genesis 15 takes huge precedence because Jesus is fulfilling the promise that was made thousands of years ago that if Abram doesn't keep up his side of the agreement, may God be killed. And sure enough, that's what happens. Jesus comes down to earth and says, I'm going to take the punishment for your unfaithfulness, for your wandering away, from your struggling. I'm going to hold true. You want to see evidence of how? How am I supposed to know that you really have what's in my best interest, God? God says, look at the sacrifice that I'm making. Look at me fulfilling both sides of the covenant for you. I'm doing this for you. I love how um, Isaiah exemplifies this in Isaiah 53 where he says, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. By Jesus' sacrifice, we are now fulfilling the covenant that was done by Abram and by us being spiritual offspring of that faith and covenant. We get to receive that blessing as well. This morning, I, I, I know, I want to circle back that I know there are times where we feel frustrated. I know there are times that we can be disappointed in life, but I know that there are times where we can feel frustrated and disappointed directly at God. And if there's anything that we can see in the story of Abram is that, first of all, it's okay to ask God. It's okay to vent those frustrations, to vent that experience with God. Abram's asking the questions, well, you said this was going to happen. What's going on? God, where are you? Is this actually going to happen? But also at the same time, look at Abram's posture, that he remained faithful, that in that time of frustration, in that time of pain, in that time of disappointment, it did not cause him to waver in his faith but he remained true to God's, to God's belief, and it was counted to him as righteousness. My hope today is that you remain true to God even in those moments of disappointment, in your life, even in those moments. And when you ask the question, how? I didn't have this experience where I had to cut open animals and split them to the side and watch God walk through. No, but you do have a God that died on the cross for you that you can point at and say, that's how I know. That is my dead, dead sacrifice. And what's even more amazing is not only is it my dead sacrifice, but it is my risen sacrifice as well. That Jesus did not remain dead, but he conquered death for us to show us that we have the ability to have God inside each one of us. May we remain true to that sacrifice. And that's why I love so much last week the example of what that means. Of it, when we take that step of baptism, that we are accepting that sacrifice of how Jesus died, went down into the grave, and came back to life as new life. And we celebrate the fulfillment of the covenant that we are now belonging to Christ forever. 
We now have faith with God forever, a covenant that cannot be broken despite sometimes our best efforts with how much we screw up and make mistakes. God is not abandoning us. And for that, we get to celebrate and we get to sing and we get to worship. Great is his faithfulness because he stays true in all times. So this morning, my, my hope is that as we dive into Genesis 15, this is just such a huge scripture that, yes, God spoke to Abraham, but he's speaking to you today saying, stay true. I'm with you. I'm with you in your pain. I'm with you in your suffering. I am here with you. Remain with me. Remain true to the cross that God's calling you. May we do that this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your sacrifice. God, we thank you so much that um, we don't we don't bring anything into this relationship, God. We, uh, we fall so short of what it means to be faithful, to be true. But, God, where we fall short, you make up for tenfold by sending your son down, by living this perfect life, and by sacrificing himself for us. God, may we just... Always look back to that and say, that is our covenant moment. God, you have made a covenant with us that is irrevocable. We are yours. You are mine. God, thank you so much that nothing now can separate me from you. No height, no depth, no angels, no demons, no past, no present, no future. Anything in all creation, God, nothing is going to be able to separate me from you. God, thank you for that. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. God, thank you that you are remaining true to us. May we be faithful to you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. It's in your son's holy and precious name that we pray. Amen.